What's up, everyone? It is Richie here bringing you back the F1 podcast. Today is March 13th, season three, episode five. It is race week. And what better way to talk about Formula One than to bring the team back? I have Andrew and Erica here. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hola. What is up? It is only Monday, but we're almost to the weekend. This Monday really do be mundane. The time change on the weekend screwed me. It made everything very mundane. <laughs> we will also be back race starts at one o'clock next sunday we're going to be on site i think around 12 30 i think there's gonna be about 10 of us but please come on by and come check us out have a pint and let's hopefully th- hopefully wish that ferrari will do much better this race do a barrel roll we're going to be talking about the week that was and let me tell you there was a lot that happened this week and what better way to start than mercedes mercedes didn't have a good weekend at bahrain I think it was very clear. We saw that. They even got beat by Austin Martin. Yikes. So hey, 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 now. <laughs> hey, now. Sorry, I, I'm trying. I, I, got a, I got a script here. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> so anyways, Mercedes sent out a letter to the fans, basically talking about how they knew that that was not a good weekend for them and try to give some optimism after one bad race. I mean, Ferrari could do that every weekend and still nothing would happen. Nothing would change. There's been a, but there's been a lot of banter going on in Mercedes right now. Lewis calling out the Mercedes engineers, some talks that Lewis will leave the team and go to Ferrari. I don't even know where to start, but like, you're the one that brought this article up, Andrew. What's your thoughts on all of what's going on? Leading yeah, up to, it was kind uh, of funny, right? I think Mercedes was, um, this is not, this is not who Mercedes are. They haven't been this way since the beginning of the hybrid era back in 2014. You know, they were, you know, they're, they're not used to not being at the top, right? So they released this statement. I think it was kickstarted by Lewis's comments made about his engineering, calling out his engineering, but I find it ironic that one of the sentences says that first we won't panic or make knee-jerk reactions. I'm like, you finished fifth at the bar in Grand Prix. Sure, yeah, the car's not where you want it to be, but to me, this seems like a panic letter slash a knee-jerk reaction to the whole story. Yeah, you'd expect that if they didn't want it to be a knee-jerk reaction, it would be the typical, well, it's the first race of the season. We knew it was going to be a developing state of things. It was going to take us a while to get up to it. And yet, this is pretty... It, it reminds me a little of last season when Bonotto was like, no, we don't need to make a change to our strategy. <laughs> like, is this the right press announcement you should have been making right now? Like, was that really the right call? I think it was completely just weird. You know, we've seen a lot of teams that have struggled at the first race of the season and I can't even think, I don't even know if Ferrari did this in even in 2020, like when the car was kind of struggling under Vettel and Leclerc. I think it's still very early on. And we even see that, saw that from Mercedes uh, last year as they struggled out in the gecko or, pre- or precisely Lewis struggled out on the, uh, uh, at the gecko. And they were able to kind of make that constructors race more exciting towards the end. So, I mean, still very early. There's upgrade packages that still need to come in. I know Jeddah will talk a little bit about uh, uh, on Sunday's race uh, in Saudi Arabia, but I would feel the teams that are more experienced going into that track are going to do much better, but I think it's still early, Mercedes. I just caution all the the silver arrows. Still early. Yeah, I think what kind of confused me is that the W13's non-side pod look obviously didn't work, right? The top teams, such as Red Bull and Ferrari, both had those big side pods and seemed to do really well aerodynamically. Soon it would be fast, win a lot of races, right? So you think maybe you have to change the dynamic. You have to change your theory that 2022 didn't work. Maybe we have to restructure the car for 2023. And, you know, clearly, in a, so 
Lewis spoke out at um, the BBC's Checker Flag podcast, and this was the quote about how he issued, how Mercedes have effectively ignored his warning about the W14. So he goes, quote, last year, I told him the issues that are the car or with the car. I've driven so many cars in my life. So I want to, so I know what a car needs. I know what a car doesn't need. And I think it's really all about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. and We've got to work. We've got to look into the balance through the corners, look at all the weak points and just huddle up as a team. That's what we do. And he goes on to say, we're still multi-world champions, you know. It's just they haven't got it right this time. They didn't get it right last year, but that doesn't mean we can't get it right moving forward. I mean, that is a statement. It's pretty damning (laughs) on the engineers and the team at Mercedes. Top driver, one of the best drivers of all time to come out and make a statement like that after the first race of the season. (laughs) And pretty much saying, you effed up. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild, especially for like somebody like, Total Wolf overseeing this team and just what have they've accomplished over the timeline. It's I'm like, why is this all being ha- like, why is this all happening outside of the paddock? Like you would assume that there'd be much more control. Guess not. I think this is what happens in the middle of contract negotiations. Just don't be afraid to play your card. Isn't it kind of nice to see Mercedes squirm a little bit here? Oh, it is. They were so dominant for so long. It's kind of refreshing when we're used to seeing some of the other teams do stuff like this off the cuff. I don't know if you're Lewis, you're someone who was a contender for a record-breaking eighth world driving championship two years ago, and now you're driving the equivalent of a tin can on wheels. You lose. And that can't really feel all that nice, (laughs) especially when you do know, like, doesn't matter how good he is or how much longevity of career he has, he can probably see that he has a limited amount of time left to make that happen and to do what it is that he wants to do with the remainder of his career. So I don't blame him for trying to put the pressure on them, but my goodness. The guy I feel the worst for is George Russell because he went from the shitbox Williams to an upgraded shitbox in Mercedes. (laughs) I think George Russell probably feels about Mercedes the way I feel about the TTC. So I come from a small town where there isn't really public transit. So I'm like, wow, the TTC is amazing while everyone else around me is used to things working so much better in other cities that they're like, the TTC is trash. And so you just are coming from very different places here. So George Russell's still probably very appreciative of this opportunity. Doesn't quite know what he's missing out on at this point in time. It's okay. He was going to look at the camera and says, the car looks nice, right? Um, (laughs) From one championship team to another championship team, Red Bull, uh, obviously they had a very dominant race last weekend. You know, I think it was like, I forget what the time sheet was, but they're in the news today about Hel- Helmet Marco, Helmet Marco, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, says he, that they won't sell AlphaTauri. And the quote he said, it is always very clear that AlphaTauri would stay in a house and it's an important co- component for our junior work. Where did it's this it- come from? Yeah, basically he said that the original article was like comparing apples to oranges. It wasn't it wasn't truly the case. So I guess they're gonna keep them and they they he wants improvement. He wants them to finish P5 at best, P6, P7, the realistic scenario, but uh I think P9 is probably what they're gonna do this year. That's what we based it on our predictions. I'm sitting here and I don't know if I just missed it, but I don't ever recall Red Bull selling Alpha Tower being like a topic of discussion. Like, was this 
a recent article that came out and helmets trying to just like quell any fears or they remember you're saying that it was costing the red bull brand too much just to operate the team for the performance that it was but to me it just seemed really counterintuitive considering how they built how they built the red bull team system right having that yeah. junior team not everybody else can say that right everyone else has got academy split up everywhere but to be able to have a junior team on the grid and have your team grow as a result, I thought that was pretty, you know, it was a pretty unique opportunity. I never see why they would let that go, right? Even operating at a loss leader, who cares? Well, just to think about all the the drivers that have come out of the AlphaTari or the junior team of Red Bull, um, I think it's other than Williams is the most, I think it's the most successful program for drivers to kind of move up into the ranks. This stuff would come out again, but I'm scratching my head. Like a lot of selling a lot of like backstab and all that. Like, guys, it's only the first week. Well, he, he didn't take, he also had a lot of fun um, stating that Mercedes 2023 titles are pretty much done. Like, after the, week the car one. is dominant at Red Bull, but geez, just laying it on. My goodness. What was the one quote I see that we had here? <laughs> it's not one problem, it's several problems. <laughs> the solution didn't come over the winter either, <laughs> which I'm surprised about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want to do this one? The Ralph Schumacher one? Yeah. So I came, I was uh, looking on my Instagram feed and came across Ralph Schumacher. And um looks like he's announcing his latest product of face creams, you know, because, because <laughs> when you need, because, you know, as an F1 driver, you need to diversify and boom, face products are the, or cleansing products is the obvious choice. But you meant, well, so I mean, you, meant, you know, your skin gets all kinds of damage from the wind and the sun and all that stuff, right? Maybe he's just taking a preemptive approach to preventing collagen loss. Gotta look good. Know. Gotta look good. And he he outed one person in particular that could do better with this cream, and it was uh, his cousin's or his or his nephew's former boss, Gunther Steiner at Haas. Just what a photo he's chosen here too. Just absolutely glaring down the camera. <laughs> yeah, caption apparently this was translated. I don't know how good the, tra the translate is, but it goes, with wrinkles and dry skin, I can only recommend Gunther, my new cosmetic. At least you could still do something. Cool. <laughs> Suit I, I on think the he... market, Gunther. Jeez. Well, isn't there also like, I can't tell if this is real or not, not the survive to drive thing where someone was like, they're going to focus exclusively on the story of Gunther Steiner. That should be its own documentary in itself. Cause he, didn't he it. used to, didn't he used to be a car salesman? And then now he's like overseeing uh, a formula one team. He used to work at Ford for the longest time I thought beforehand. And then he's bounced around the F1 scene to Haas now. Oh, surviving. So it's legit. He it's a, it's a book about him called surviving to drive a jaw dropping account of like, it's about a year inside uh, formula one from the breakout star of Netflix's drive to survive. Oh my god! I, I interesting to read that, uh, Erica. Um, do you want to talk about the Will Buxton stuff? Well, before we do that, I just think I have to give uh, what I think is my honest opinion in terms of being a self-proclaimed skincare guru. But Ooh. Ralph was sharing that it was a hyaluronic cream, and Gunter, I'm really sorry, but I I don't think that's going to be enough for you. I might also recommend a retinoid. 
perhaps like a vitamin C cream just to brighten the skin for the daytime, but make sure you're using SPF, nothing under 30. Otherwise the whole thing is just going to get worse and you're going to end up with a burn that you really don't want to deal with, but do a barrel roll. Yeah. I, I just don't think the hyaluronic's going to cut it for him at this what can point. He, what can he use for his ear burns that he gets every time he has to call Gene Haas and get scolded over the phone? You um, I would say common sense and a larger budget. Ooh, yeah, yes, Erica, thank you. It's all Gene's <laughs> problem. Spend money to win, Gene. Jeez. But yeah, in other news, um, for those that don't know, I, I have a background as a dancer. I love to dance. And turns out I'm not the only Formula One fan that loves to dance. So does Will Buxton. What did we think? Of him cutting a rug, living his best life. I'd like to defer to the, the professionally trained dancer as yourself. What did you? What were your thoughts? He was having a good time, and I am am glad that he did. <laughs> <laughs> what about his technicals? You know, two stepping. I will say, I I can't do anything like that. Like I'm the type of person who just kind of stands there and bobs back and forth at the party because otherwise, I'm about to do some and go into a jeté and a little bit of a Susie Q or something like that. So, um, like, what what else do you want? I think uh, from the form <laughs> form perspective, he did pretty well. He didn't fall off. I, I think he's got some like some talent. We should see that more in the paddock. Over like, under six and a half gin and tonics. This guy was deep before he went on stage. You know what? He was on the beat though. And oh, he was. He was on fire. <laughs> that that's a lot better than most middle-aged white men can say for themselves. So he, I, I'll credit where credits due. It's more difficult than you think. <laughs> I love seeing these sides of like the F one uh, personalities, right? Like I wish we saw more of this. It's such a dichotomy too. Like coming off of watching Drive to Survive, where he's sitting there being so serious the entire time. And I mean, obviously he has a little bit of fun when he's doing the reporting the week of the race and everything, but it's just very different when you can tell like the mask is off. They don't have the serious game face on. How much money would you both pay to have an exclusive ticket post Abu Dhabi so that you had access to every team's after party? Uh, So I'm going to stop you there because this is our cue for our sponsors to sponsor (laughs) the F1 podcast to go to these after parties. You know, we just got to keep it going and it's still open. We have no sponsors. Well, you know, if we are looking for sponsors, I think I've made it pretty clear that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to skincare. So CeraVe or anyone who sells products at Sephora, if you're interested in a cross-sell opportunity to a new market that you may not have previously considered, consider it. Hey, Ralph Schumacher did it. You can too. You know what? I like to believe that's entirely possible. Thank you, Clary. Yep. That was the week that was. No, no, no. We're not getting off without you talking about Ferrari. Ferrari lost another senior technical team member. And he went to McLaren. What? Well, yeah. Like, you not read the news? Do a barrel Wasn't it David Sanchez? Like, head of vehicle concept, head aerodynamicist for Ferrari, left to go to McLaren this past week. Literally him and Bonato were the ones that developed the car this year and last year and the, like, and the one before that. Yeah, I mean that's a mixed bag, but okay. <laughs> Scratch what I said about two years ago, last year and this year. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you mentioned two years ago, I'm like, don't don't really know if that's kind of the the leading feature you want to at the top of your resume, but okay. I get it. Like you know, Fred wants to probably bring in some new people, 
Um, you know, obviously the last couple of years is was tough. I mean, we did get a couple of wins, but at the end of the day, you kind of need to change rank if a new person comes in. Like, yeah, does it suck? Because you know, in the end of the day, you're gonna a team does need experience. So obviously, it is a gain for McLaren, maybe a loss for us, but you have to kind of change things. We've seen this in a lot of sports when a new manager or new team comes in. That's you're most not not like you're most likely not safe if you've been there for a while and only doing subpar uh, returns. Especially at the senior levels like that, there's a tendency for a lot more turnover when new management comes in. Well, you know, there's a saying, right? If you're going to F around, you're going to find out. And a lot of people at Ferrari have been effing around and Fred has come in and, you know, we're finding out what's going on here. So I'm thinking, I, I kind of like the move. He's really establishing a new culture in the team. Mm-hmm. He wants to win. And um, I saw a funny meme the other day. It was um, the three of them. It was Fred, Carlos, and uh, Charles doing a team photo. In the first photo, they look all stoic. And uh, Fred says to Charles, you know, he says, you know, oh, good thing. We won't be DNFing. There'll be no DNFs this week. And Charles goes, why do you say that? And then the next what, the next picture is them laughing together. And he says, well, we're not racing this week. That's why. Uh, For those of you who can't see what we're seeing, Richie just very quietly shook his head back and forth. <laughs> So is that the week that was? That's the week that was. Okay, perfect. So that was the week that was for Formula One. Now we're going to talk about the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. Um, you know, the second race of the season. Um, a lot of concern was going into this race based off last year's experiences. Um, for those that don't know, this is a very fast track. And we did see a lot of issues with drivers kind of crashing or or whatnot. Um, so the FIA decided to do some changes to the track to make it more, to improve visibility and to be able to kind of have more of a fair race. So, you know, we saw some changes. They've moved the walls at turn eight, turn 10, and then at turn 14 and turn 20 to improve uh, visibility. Um, and as well as the chicane at uh, turn 22 and turn 23 have been tightened with speeds expected to be 30 to 30 to 50 kilometers lower than in the past. And especially with a track like this and a lot of like beginner or rookie drivers coming in, I think these changes do make sense. You know, this, this was a very fast track. And if anyone that tries to play this track online, uh, there's a lot of crashes that happen. So it's good to kind of see some of these improvements going down. And we even witnessed a couple of those crashes uh, last year. Wasn't this one of the first races of the season. I can't remember if it was in quali or if it was in the race. Latifi crashed, I'm pretty sure. And you can see the slow-mo of the drivers coming out of some of these corners. I mean, like, I still have it burned in my brain. Carlos Sainz has never looked more wide-eyed in his entire life, I think, than on this track during one of the practice runs. It's. I think it'll hopefully make it safer and, as a result, more exciting to watch because people won't be so concerned about crashing out they'll know that it's more of a a fun ride yeah i was just gonna say with that erica was that i think people wanted that fast street circuit you know you don't get that in monaco you kind of get that at some point in azerbaijan but there's a lot of slow corners jetta's pretty unique where it's a lot of fast corners very tight but at what point do you compromise safety for it being you know a fast tight circuit and clearly they've uh the the drivers have explained of 
provided their concerns because in Monaco, there's tight, it's walls. I get it. But people are really new. They, they know Monaco, right? They drive it all the time and it's slower, right? You know, you can quicker, to, you can have better reaction time when you're going that fast on some of those tight corners against the wall. Wall Jetta, I think, yeah, turn 14 and turn 20 in particular, you're hitting like around the curb or around that corner, like 200 plus kilometers an hour. And if someone's in front of you and crashes out, you can't see that. No. So the fact that they added the push the walls back 14 and 20, I think it's safer. And I actually think, I think people are going to want to go, there's going to be better racing at that part of the circuit because people are going to be more confident to make moves around there. So I think um, it won't compromise the idea of it being a fast street circuit because I think it's going to just present greater opportunities for overtakes and um, added speed there in that case, in those kind of turns. Yeah, and I think that's what's kind of building into the next uh, next segment. Um, I think a lot of more experienced teams are going to su- succeed at this track uh, this year, because um, you know, obviously, when it, when we talk about Bahrain, is you do your preseason testing there. You know, I think they do some additional testing on the off season at that track, and we even see. Um, so I think a lot more of the people that have done this track before are going to be more successful. So it's like if we get back to our fantasy, like I would obviously favor. I, uh, Ferrari, I would favor Red Bull. I would favor Al, um, Austin Martin or Alpine and some of those, uh, some of those more senior drivers in a track like this. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a learning curve for some of the, the new and up and coming drivers of this track. Yes, it is now more safer, but like, I still don't think it's going to be an easier ride for them. Yeah. Cause I think you were saying like Bahrain, they've gone to for F2 and some of the more junior racing series, but Jetta is still, I mean, A, it's, pretty new all things considered still and and b it's not a part of those series so unless someone's really spent a lot of time in a sim or playing f1 online they're probably not that experienced with it this will be a cool test to see for 2023 because bahrain's an interesting circuit where they have it you know they have a lot of straights for the high speed but teams have to put a lot of downforce in because you have those like those really slow corners the team it'll be interesting to see what teams have the high top lines like the speed this you know, this year. And I think Jetta is probably one that's going to be a dictator because they won't put as much downforce in the car. So that top line speed is going to be on showcase uh, this weekend. So it could be a very different result. I honestly think, um, I know Ferrari fans are freaking out about last week, but I think they're going to go back on the podium this week. They get them. The design again, it's still a fast car. Is it reliable? Who knows? But I think it's fast. And if it's reliable this weekend, they'll finish on the podium for sure. I'm also curious about Alfa Romeo and how they'll do this week. It was and it was fun to watch them drive in Bahrain. And Joe is still new to F1, but he does have experience on this circuit, whereas some of the other youngins and some of the folks who have moved teams might struggle a little more, I think, as they're still getting used to the new cars that they're in. So I don't know. That's another thing I'm contemplating and curious to see pan out. I'm curious to see where Lando Nor- uh, Norris uh, finishes in this race and see if he can have. He's 17. <laughs> okay, all right. With seven <laughs> <pit> stops. <laughs> I have no faith. Sorry, Richie, you were about to go and I just jumped in. Some might say that Piastri's car is still going through their Google update, so. Oh, God. update. You lose. Watch everything come change tomorrow. I mean, on Sunday. And like McLaren gets on the podium and it's going to be a whole different pod next week, but no, that is a good, that is a good segment is what is the kind 
kind of midfield and what's the other is going to look. There's a lot of liabilities that I, uh, a lot of alib- not alib- liabilities or flags that I have no idea what's going to happen this week. So curious to know where McLaren kind of sets their sights. Yeah, I think it. I think we're all expecting a similar t- turnout toward the front of the grid. Obviously, hoping that the Ferrari is more reliable to to give a little bit more pressure on the likes of Red Bull and Aston Martin. I think what will be interesting to see is because we saw a pretty good show from Albin and Sargent in Bahrain. Uh, like we said before, it'll probably be a bit of a challenge for Sargent because he's not experienced, but. I believe, Andrew, you were saying Williams has announced that they're setting their sights on 2024 and 2025. Yeah, I read an article. I think this is kind of, yeah, they read an article this week saying how they'll still aim to be competitive in 2023, but really James Vowell's focus as the new team principal is to have that car competitive in 2024 and in 2025. So I'm thinking they're going to be a team that has some upgrades to begin the season to kind of get like where they think their 2024 overall um structure will look like on the car and then i don't think they're going to add any towards the end of the season whatsoever um so i'm thinking this could be week that they get some points maybe who knows right they could be and i think Haas is going to have a comeback weekend this weekend i think uh it was a bad showing last weekend but hulkenberg looked good in qualifying he just didn't have it in the race pace um but who knows I would love it if he scored some points this week. What a return that would be. Second race after not racing. Come back, score some points in a car that's actually looking nice on occasion. Ooh, boy, I'm into it. There's a lot to consider this week, and it all starts on Friday. So we're going to be at Trinity Common at Sunday to watch the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. We would really love for you guys to be there. Uh, we'll be there, I think, around 1230. Come on down. Come hang out with us. Come on uh, down <laughs> for my uh, SNL friends. So we love to see you. Um, this is the F1 podcast. Andrew, would you like to do the honors and send us off? On that note, thank you everybody listening <laughs> to the season three, episode five of the F1 podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at F1.podcast for your latest F1 updates and uh, please subscribe to X Reachy's YouTube channel to watch our video from uh, Trinity Common for the first race of the season at the Bahrain Grand Prix. As well, you can listen to our podcast on uh, YouTube on his YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, with that said, let's do a Will Buxton and boogie on towards the end of the week for the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. <laughs>